Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Revelation chapter 5, which is my favorite chapter um, of the Bible, really. And uh, there's so much going on here, um, particularly why it is important for Christians to read it and to understand it and to apply it. Uh, as you imagine, it's full of a lot of vivid imagery. This is typical of all apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature, it, uh, there's more than just the book of Revelation that uses this this sort of uh, imagery, this entire genre of ancient writing. Um, Christians engage in it, Jews engage in it, and, and others. Uh, even in the Bible, Book of Daniel, Zechariah, Ezekiel, all use this this uh, sort of imagery. We, we meet the first thing when you look at here in verse 1, in the right hand of him who's seated on the throne, right? We, we talked about that yesterday, the Creator. Uh, he has a scroll written within and on um, and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Um, now, we, you talk about the scroll. Um, scrolls at, at, at this time, you see here, it's it's written within and on the back, and it's sealed. Uh, the way a document would have been preserved for secrecy, whatever, is, is it would have had a number of seals on it, rolled up with seals on it. And the breaking of that seal would have demonstrated that it's been read or it's been compromised, whatever it might be. We do something similar with envelopes, right? If, if you receive uh, a letter in the mail that um, has been... Uh, it's obvious that that it was uh, licked, you know, um, but it has since been opened. It's kind of obvious. Same thing with with this. Um, this document has writing within and without uh, on the inside and the outside of the scroll. Uh, now, there's a lot of debate as to what the scroll is or represents, um, and and I don't want to chase all of those rabbits. Uh, but at the very least, we should note when the seals are broken, those seven seals. Of course, another emphasis on seven unfold for us starting in chapter 6. So the first seal is the first horse of the apocalypse, the second, the third, and the fourth. Then you have a fifth seal, and then the seventh seal opens up, I believe it's the seven trumpets. Um, and then the seventh trumpet will open up the seventh, the seven bowls. Right? And you have uh, seven of them being, being poured out. So uh, at the very least, I think there's there's broad agreement that that is what the scroll is, and so it will detail um, what unfolds uh, in, in in judgment over the earth, right? So so remember we have uh, the picture of the earth through the church's lens in chapters two and three, and now in chapters four and five we have uh, the the view of heaven and its response to the earth, uh, and then starting in chapter six we're going to see. Um, where these two worlds collide in judgment, heaven and, and earth. Um, well, in verse 2, I saw a mighty angel. Uh, one of the things that we, we need to be careful in Revelation is trying to identify every angelic being. Um, John doesn't do that. So uh, if he doesn't make it clear to us who it is he, he's talking about, we should leave it uh, ambiguous and, and, and anonymous. So this is just a mighty angel. Probably different levels of angels. So this is a mighty angel as opposed to a regular angel. Maybe different from an archangel. I, I, I don't really know. Nevertheless, a mighty angel proclaims with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal. Uh, worthiness is, is one of the key issues here in, in this chapter. Uh, uh, who is worthy? And we see that no one in heaven or on earth or under earth, all that sort of stuff, was, was worthy. And so John weeps, right? So, so again, what, what is the scroll? Whatever it is, is it, 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 it is um, a document of great importance uh, from God 
that needs to be open, but not just anyone can open it. Not just anyone has the authority to, to do that. Um, and so one of the elders, remember there's 24 elders, all around the throne, uh, one of the elders says, Weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So notice the imagery now. Uh, what he describes is a lion from the tribe of Judah. And yes, this is where C.S. Lewis got the image of Aslan, the, the, the great lion of, of Narnia. Um, now, that imagery takes us all the way back to Genesis, I believe it's chapter 49, when Jacob says of Judah, uh, he is a lion's whelp, um, and uses the imagery of, of a lion um, there. And so we see um, that this individual that is worthy to take the scroll is described as a lamb. He's also described as the root of Jesse, or root of David. That takes us back to Isaiah 11, um, where uh, the um, root of, of Jesse is, is David. The root of David is, of course, Jesus, right? Um, and we see here that when he has conquered, now we need to remember when we talk about the gospel, what it is that Jesus came to do, uh, modern evangelicals think in almost exclusively in terms of liberation, where we're saved from sins, redemption. And that's true. All of that is, is true. Um, but we can do that because we're, for the most part, we're, we're safe here in this country. Uh, but it isn't just liberation that Christ has come to do, but, um, but to conquer. And we see this imagery throughout Revelation. And, and uh, in fact, do a word study. Uh, depending on your translation, it's either the word conquer or overcome. Uh, that, the, that, that Christ will overcome and that the beast will overcome and all this. There's this back and forth. In fact, go back to the uh, seven churches. You'll see he who overcomes, um, I will give the crown of life, right? Uh, so this imagery is found throughout Revelation. Uh, the liberation here uh, will come by means of conquering. That at the end, the lamb, will, here the lion, will conquer over everyone. Um, and so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. So, so again, so, so, so we see that the elder says, here's the, here's the lion. And then he says at the same moment, there amid the, the, the elders and the uh, living creatures, there's a, there's a lamb. Now this is why apocalyptic literature is so good. Because in no other literature can you have a lion lamb. Um, there's a preacher, I won't, I won't say who it is, um, that has a habit, uh, whatever he does, uh, apocalyptic literature, um, he, he, uh, he, he tries to portray it in an image form behind him, sort of backdrop. And the problem with that is, how do you make Jesus here a lion lamb? You can't. But when you read it in the context of an apocalypse, it makes complete sense. If you're going to talk about conquering, the lion makes a lot of sense. And there's the biblical imagery that John is borrowing from to, to, to give a context to that. At the same time, the lamb imagery explains how and the means by which the lion conquers. The lion is the lamb. He conquers by his death by his blood. And so you see there that among the others I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, 
seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set out into all the earth. Obviously, he's a reference to the cross, who had been slain, but he's been raised, right? So, so the conquering is the defeat of death. Now, remember, in the context here, we're, we're talking to churches who are being persecuted from within, or at least they're suffering from within and they're suffering from, uh, from, from without. There's persecution going uh, onto the church, and then there is the decay of, of uh, uh, theological heresy from within. And he says, look, the lamb who was slain will conquer as a, as a lion. And you'll notice there, there's seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits. You think the number seven is important here? Obviously. We've talked some about the seven spirits. The seven horns, most commentators agree, signifies power. So the horn will signify power. Go to Daniel, there's, there's these horns, and then the little horn comes up. Um, that, that's, that's a pretty common imagery, even beyond apocalyptic literature. Um, so here you have seven horns, so brings to fullness. Seven eyes, uh, we, we saw similar image, imagery with the four living creatures in chapter 4. Typically, uh, it gives a picture of of uh, seeing all things, understanding all things, all wisdom, that that sort of stuff. So he conquers as a lamb, and, and from that comes uh, his authority, his power, his glory, all of that. Um, to, to go down, uh, he, he's going to take the scroll. When he had taken the scroll, verse 8, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowl, bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So notice here, the response of the elders and the living creatures is not that of, well, it's about time, but rather that of worship. Why? Because no one is worthy to break the seals of the scroll except the lion lamb. And if he is worthy to do that, then he is worthy of worship. Well, we already saw them doing that in chapter 4, didn't we? There at the end of chapter 4, the emphasis was, was upon creation. You created all things, and nothing came into being, uh, and nothing exists apart from you. But now, they are worshiping he, he is worthy, not just as creator, but as redeemer. The lamb who uh, appeared to have been slain. Um, and you see this, I love this imagery, the golden bowl, bowls of incense. The incense in the temple and the tabernacle burned, representing the prayers of the people of God. Here we see that the Lamb receives these prayers. So we see a, a vivid imagery that, that God receives and hears our prayers. Right now he does that. Why then would we not pray regularly? Uh, so they sing a new song, uh, do a word study of new in Revelation. New is a very important word. We'll later get a new Jerusalem, a new city, a new heavens, a new earth, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so here's, I think there's another new song later. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. You were slain by your blood, you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and have made them a kingdom of, and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. Now there's just so much here we can't get into. Let me just... just um, Notice a few things. One, they're worshiping he who is worthy, right? Um, and so no one else is worth, worthy of, of such worship. Um, from him, uh, from his blood, he ransomed the people, so he will conquer by redemption, right? So this is liberation and conquering together. Um, every tribe, language, people, and nation. So, so this is a fulfillment of, of the Abrahamic promise, isn't it? That, that out of him, the nations will be blessed. And so this imagery that... Um, the the saints in heaven will will not be limited by race or language culture experience but rather it's people from from around the world across time and culture will will be there um, in fact uh, I think this is one of the 
I think Christianity is more unique than other religions in, in this regard. If you were to um, take the racial and, and ethnic um, uh, of Christianity, the various ones, what you'll find is Christianity is not predominantly white European. It's actually uh, Asian and looks like African right now. Um, and so um, when people attack Christianity as a white man's religion, uh, don't know what they're talking about. The gospel has always gone to the nations. In fact, if you read Acts, one of its main purposes is to demonstrate that. Remember what Jesus said, that the kingdom of God comes like a mustard seed. Though it's small, it will branch uh, out and it will be large. It's like a, a little leaven uh, in, in bread. Though it is just small, it will spread throughout the earth. And so, too, we see that now. Um, that, that, that Yes, Christianity has dominated the West, but it's increasingly going to dominate the East. Um, and to the glory of God for that. I don't think it'll be long before Eastern believers are going to come to the West as missionaries. right? And so we see this imagery uh, right here. Think about it. There are people right now on the other end of this world who you don't know their name, you couldn't speak their language, and you don't know their story, but you worship the same Savior, the Lion Lamb. Right? That just, just Christianity, I think, is more diverse in, in that regard. More diverse than, say, secularism is. Secularism is increasingly a, a white liberal religion. And uh, I think it's going to continue to, to do that. The kingdom of priests and of God, uh, there's so much there. We talked about some in First Peter. They shall reign on the earth. There's, there's some, 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 some ideas there I, I just don't want to chase. Uh, you'll notice that uh, he looked and heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. So you have the elders, you have the living creatures, now you also have angels. What we're going to see in Revelation 5 is is an unfolding of those nearest the throne bow down first, and then there's a ripple effect out there. And what is it they are saying? By the way, there's myriads and myriads, thousands of thousands, just innumerable. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. Right? You could do um, a study of each of those adjectives and apply them to Christ. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. I, I don't want to chase that rabbit. Uh, but this is what, what, what they sing. So notice you got uh, 24 elders, right? They're all around the throne. The four living creatures on each four corners of the throne. And then you have a myriad of angels, mighty angels, archangels, whatever it might be, cherubim, seraphim, uh, all that. And now you've got everyone in the earth, on the earth, on the earth, in the sea, all of that. Um, Everyone, what is it they are singing? To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures are leading this choir. They say amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So you see that this chapter, what we do with Revelation is, is we get distracted by details and symbols and imagery. Those things are important. But when we do that, let us not miss the main point. This is a passage about worshiping he who is worthy. And I believe that you cannot read chapters 4 and 5 without looking in the mirror and asking yourself, Do, does my worship reflect this? If the mighty divine beings of the elders and the living creatures and the mighty angels, all of them, if, if they see in Christ one worthy of worship, why don't I? He is worthy. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.